You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. Hey, we're back. And you might be looking around and thinking, man, where's everyone at? Um, let me ask you this. Do you think God could do something in this room? You think it, God wants to do something in this room? Because I do. In fact, I, I've never been more excited to be here in preaching than I am here this morning with you. It's so good to be back. I feel like I could just burst into tears, so I'm not going to do that because that would be weird. And you're like, whoa, it hasn't been that long. It's been three months. Like maybe bursting out into tears is more of a two-year thing. Like if we haven't seen each other for two years. But I have been reminded more than ever during this time that we were designed to do life together, weren't we? When you're quarantined and you're staying isolated in your home, you're reminded of, ah, this isn't the way God had it in mind. This isn't what God has in store. This isn't what he intended. What he intended was that we would come together and encourage one another and worship God together and hear the preaching of God's word together and baptize in Jesus' name together and take communion together and encourage and lift one each other up and one and another up, you know, each other up. What am I talking about? Hey, I will tell you this. Also, I haven't preached in a little while, so in my mind, I've got a credit of hours. So I'm going to exercise all of that here this morning. We're going to have a lunch break, come back. You're going to stay through. I hope you planned on staying here all day. I'm just kidding. I want to start actually lighthearted. And in fact, um, I have a cutting board up here right now, an eight-inch chef's knife that is uh, very sharp. Christy Chuba, you've seen these before, I think. Um, So it's really sharp. The security team let me walk right in here with this, um, unaware. Just kidding. It's very safe. And then I've got this carrot. And um, Maybe you've cut carrots before, but I just thought I'd be a little bit dramatic about this here and and try something fun. So here's a cutting the carrot situation. If you're listening via podcast, this will mean nothing to you whatsoever. That's pretty exciting for a Sunday, isn't it? Actually, that one piece that flew... That was extremely effective for dramatic purposes. So, all right. Now, I wanted to try something. I thought I'd spice it up a little bit. Not that I'm here to entertain you, but I thought, how could we do, how could I do? That's an eight-inch chef's knife and a carrot. And I want to try something here. I have never done this before, but I'm going to try it. Hang on. I would never do that. And I think we all know that. And I actually mean this. I don't think with a lot of certainty that I could do that very successfully without hurting myself. That's the honest truth. I don't think, especially if I got toward the end, if I was going to cut this whole carrot, surely I would lose a finger at best, maybe my whole wrist. And I don't think it's that sharp. Uh, But I think I would really hurt myself otherwise. And of course, we would all be like, yes, that's not something you do. You don't blindfold yourself when you're using a very sharp chef's knife in the kitchen. That would just be, well, stupid, which is a very weird thing to say from a stage when preaching, but it just is. It would be stupid. 
And we would all agree on that. And yet sometimes we go through life, and I don't mean this to be a bait and switch here, I mean it sincerely, but often we go through life making big decisions, going in big indefinite directions with our own lives, our actions, our decisions, with a kind of eyes closed disregard for what we're doing. And yet God, I believe, has something better in store for his followers, that we would have Uh, more control than that, that we would have more purpose than that. So that's why I am thrilled to preach part two of our series. What is it called? Eyes Wide Open. Yes, it is silly. It doesn't make sense. It is foolish to cover our eyes and to try to chop a carrot. And yet, why is it that we as people oftentimes get into this rhythm of just doing life, moving along with a kind of eyes closed like disregard. In fact, it says this in Proverbs chapter 17, verse 24, of a different plan that God has for his followers. He says this, sensible people keep their eyes glued on wisdom. It would surely not be wise for me to attempt to cut carrots or anything else completely blindfolded. It would just be silly. That doesn't make sense. That's foolish. Instead, God for our lives has something bigger in store. Sensible people keep their eyes glued on wisdom. And so we've been looking at, as Pastor David said, I don't know where that carrot went. I can't even see it. Um, as David had mentioned, the Proverbs is where we're, we're honing in, which I love the Proverbs. The Proverbs are just awesome, wise sayings inspired by God within his scriptures, meaning that they carry a kind of authority and a sureness for our lives because it's God's word, which carries authority. It's God's intended word for us, not just like picking up a, a novel or something of that nature. This is truth that we can take to the bank. It's eternal truth. And I love the Proverbs. There's 31 And so chapters of Proverbs, so it's even just good to get into this kind of routine of looking at your your calendar, seeing what the day is. Today's the 14th, so maybe I'll read Proverbs chapter 14 today, and that's the beauty is whatever day of the week on the calendar, we should read that proverb. It's just that good for our souls. And in fact, I have a special affinity for the Proverbs like I do every book in the Bible. But I love the Proverbs because a good friend of mine, a best friend of mine in high school, who was actually in my wedding party as one of my groomsmen um, when I got married, believe it or not, in high school, he asked me, because I was known as like the Christian kid, where should I read in the Bible? What should I read? And I said, you should read the Proverbs. And now I would have like a better answer, like something like John or, you know, Ephesians or something like that. But I said, Proverbs. It's good. <laughs> and believe it or not, it was a God-ordained thing because this is, it is crazy. He came to salvation in God because of the Proverbs. Literally, he was looking for sense for his life of what I should do, what I should not do. I need some kind of truth for my life having these thoughts in high school. This is a true story. He would read the Proverbs, apply it to his life, find it to be true, and he was like, okay, then God must be true. And he literally gave his life to Christ because of the Proverbs. So Proverbs is awesome. And I especially like the Proverbs because it gives us some control back into our lives. Of, I don't know if you ever feel kind of discouraged at times that you're, you feel like you're kind of just bobbing through life and it's like, 
Maybe you're even making decisions at times that frustrate yourself. Maybe you're following, falling into bad patterns, decision-making, and it's like, why do I keep making these kinds of decisions? The thing that I love about the Proverbs is it forces us back into control. It, it, it puts the onus back on us to say, hey, you take control of your life under the power of God, and you live in a direction uh, with purpose, with meaning. You take responsibility for your life. And you go in the way of wisdom. And I love how actionable it is. And it's just great. And it speaks that we should take life seriously. That we shouldn't just approach this life like we would a blindfolded cutting carrots or any other vegetable. That we should live with our eyes wide open. We should pay attention. We should be purposeful in what we are doing in this life. And why is that? It's because life is short. Have we already seen that? How many of us know that life is just like, we have here just some high school graduates, and it's like we were just talking, Marsha and I, we were talking, it just, wow, it just seems like yesterday that they were just little guys, just like that. Five years I've been married to my wife already, we just celebrated just a few weeks ago, it just went like that. It says life is so brief, the brevity of life. So it's important that we are purposeful with the life that we do have because it's quick. It's short. Moses had an understanding of this. Yes, Moses wrote a psalm, Psalm chapter 90, verse 12. He said, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So with the brevity of life, I'm thankful for the Proverbs. Why? Because the Proverbs are just blunt even offensively blunt. Like if you've ever read through the Proverbs, it's just like they throw the truth out there and it's just like no fuzz, no prettiness. It's just like this is the way it is and it's like this will lead you here or this will lead you there and that's that. How many of you appreciate the cutting of the fluff and you just like straight to the point you're that kind of person? I know. And I'm thankful because yes, albeit offensive at times, the Proverbs are just blunt. They just throw it out there. And I love that about the Proverbs. And something that you will notice when looking at the Proverbs is there's constantly a compare and contrast, mostly a contrast, <laughs> between living wisely and living foolishly. And when looking at the definition of foolish and what the, the scriptures would define as being a fool or foolish decisions is very comical to me because I've gone to great length as I do with every sermon. I read these scholars. You have commentators, biblical theologians, scholars. And I picture them, of course, wearing glasses, big white beards. You know, they're sitting in the ivory tower under candlelight, writing about the scriptures. No, they're just kidding. That's not what it's like. But they cannot get away when defining the word fool as just stupid. <laughs> it sounds so juvenile to talk about foolishness as just stupidity stupidity, lacking sense. Sure, there's a moral dimension to it as well. So we'll give a working definition of fool, foolishness, fool. Morally deficient, making stupid decisions that belittle God and hurt us. God's just got so much more in store for his followers than to live in foolish ways and in foolish decisions. Instead, he wants his people to walk in wisdom. And I'm thankful in a world where it's a buffet of decisions. 
If you go down just about any path, you'll find someone who's going to support you the full way. No matter what it is, what you want to do, you're going to find a support system somewhere because we just have a buffet of decisions before us. And I'm thankful that in the midst of the over availability of options, that there is a clear word of God that is blunt, that just says, no, this is wisdom. This is foolish. This will lead you to life in your best purposeful existence. And this will lead you to destruction. And I'm thankful that the Proverbs exist in telling us how to live wisely, but also in what to watch out for. And in fact, if you've ever had any experience in reading the Proverbs, you'll notice that they're just very blunt, like I said, but they're just like, matter of fact, one after another. They'll just move on. There's no real smooth transition And so this morning's message, I would love to just give you three things that I think is really important when looking at what we should pay attention to in living and helping set ourselves up for success in living wisely versus living foolishly. And I'm just going to go like from thing to thing to thing because I think it's just going to be helpful in that way. And the Proverbs are just like that. And so starting in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 32 through 33, you ready? You still with me? I'm just making sure you're with me. You guys have plans for a nice meal after this? Sit in the nice weather? Okay, good. Just want to let you know I'm happy to be here with you. Hope you're happy as well. Proverbs chapter 1, verses 32 through 33 says this, For the waywardness of the simple will kill them. <laughs> and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. Now, I will say this first point is really going to be probably the most controversial that I'll share here this morning because it really is so countercultural. When looking at this particular text, I find it to be terrifying because we can live in a kind of waywardness completely unaware. And that's terrifying to me, especially if the scriptures are true in saying that the waywardness of the simple will kill them. So there's kind of a lot of stake in waywardness. And yet it goes on to say that sometimes we can even know, if we don't know that we're wayward, that's terrifyingly possible, potential. But then there's an option of knowing that, okay, I know what I'm doing, and maybe I even see what God would want for me, and yet I'm just complacent. I'm going to keep going in the direction that I am currently going. And that's terrifying as well. Instead, God wants to wake us up and warn us that we are born into a kind of waywardness. We are born into a kind of complacency, and we need to wake up. The reality is our waywardness and and complacency will lead us to a real destruction for our lives. That's foolish living. In fact, it can't be said any more clearly than Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12. It says this. Here it is. Blunt. There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. I find this terrifying because we live in a culture right now where the main text of culture, if the scripture says this, there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. The cultural narrative is there is a way that appears to be right within you. And you will not experience life to the full unless you embrace that to the full. 
Instead, God in the scriptures and the Proverbs is saying something completely opposite, saying, no, 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 you should question what you think is right and what comes natural to you. Why? Because we are born into a kind of waywardness. We are born into a kind of complacency. In fact, it goes on to say in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 15, we don't have this on the screen. It says this, the way of fools seems right to them. There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. And what does that mean for us as Christians trying to follow God, wanting to experience life as God has designed us to live it, to experience a wise existence versus a foolish existence, making wise decisions, godly decisions, as opposed to foolish decisions? Awareness and intentionality are linked to living wisely. Negatively stated, it is unwise, it is foolish to live unaware and unintentionally. We have to appreciate for a moment just how countercultural this is. Because instead of embracing the thing that comes so natural to us, if it feels right, what the scripture is saying here, here is, no, 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 no. We need to bring a kind of an awareness and intentionality to our existence and to our decision-making and what we are feeling. Bring your knee-jerk reactions under scrutiny, critical observation, examination, and honest questioning of, is this really the way that's going to lead me to godliness and what God would have for my life? Or am I trying to embrace something that really is foolish? This is completely countercultural. Our culture is saying, no, 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 you have something with inside you. And to experience life to the full, you have to be true to what? Yourself. It's the Disney let it go theology. If you aren't familiar with Frozen, there's this beautiful song that's just, let it go, let it go, don't hold me back anymore. That's how it goes. Do you hear that narrative underneath the, the nice, pithy, very memorable, you're welcome for getting that stuck in your head again. Under that is a cultural narrative that says, no, 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 it doesn't matter what anyone thinks. It doesn't matter what's going on outside of you. Be true to what's inside of you. Whereas the scripture says, yeah, there's a way that seems right, but that's going to lead you to death. Wake up, Christian. Do not live unaware or unintentional, but instead it is awareness and intentionality. Those are the things that are linked to living wisely. Can I get an amen? All right, a couple. Next on, I'm just going to go, this is really important. This is what the scripture says here. In living wisely, Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. Walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. I'm going to say it as simply as this. Who we run with is linked to living wisely. Who we run with is linked to living wisely. Now, I also just want to come clean here for a second. I don't think I'm being hip nor cool by saying who you run with. In fact, it is no longer cool to say, hey, who you running with these days? People just don't say that anymore. And in fact, if you say that, just know, people aren't saying that anymore. Who are you running with these days? 
And yet I couldn't get away from this term of who you run with, who we run with is linked to living wisely. And why am I just bent on using this word run? It's because you get to places quickly with others. You get to places quickly with others. What do I mean? If you surround yourself with angry people, it's amazing how quickly you will run to anger as a knee-jerk response when things arise in your life. If you surround yourself with negative people, it's amazing how quickly you run to negativity when things come up in your life. If you have fearful people in your life, it's amazing how quickly your hope and stability will just vanish when something comes up. You will run to fear. If you are surrounded with ungodly people in your inner circle, in your life, it's amazing how quickly you will run to foolish living. Now, Here's something that I'm not saying. I'm not saying that that means as Christians we just live in a holy huddle, meaning we just come together here in church and we just get together. The world's over there. Here we are. We're over here. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. We're over here. They're over there. No, no, in, out. No, no, no. That's not, that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is, who are you allowing to influence you? Who's in your inner circle? Because as it comes to me, In my house, when it comes to our inner circle, we go running toward God. I want people in my life at my closest level who there is no if, ands, or buts. We are running toward God. We are sprinting toward God and godliness. I don't have time to be getting distracted. Why? Because I know life is brief, and I know God's got a plan for me in this world, and I got to get out there, and I need people in my inner circle. And I love all people, I want to see people come to Christ. And, and, I, and I link myself and build friendships with those people who aren't running in the same direction. However, I don't let them influence my life. But it takes wisdom to discern, am I the one influencing or am I the one being influenced? This is especially true for grads. And we have a couple here in this room. You guys are lucky because I think you're the only ones in this room. Do we have any more grads in the room? But it's not true of just grads. It's true of adults. But one of the things that we do when we see grads from Nexus or high school move on, we have a grad day. And one of the things that we say until we're blue in the face, and it's, it's not just for grads. It's not just for high schoolers. It's not just for college. But it's very true for young adults, for adults as well. We say to them, Make sure that you run and find spiritual community right away because it is almost predictable, and I mean to a very high accuracy, like 99.5%. I just made that up, though, so don't quote me on that. That the strengthening or weakening of a person's relationship with God right out of high school will be completely contingent on who they surround themselves with when they leave high school. Seeing the strongest Christians go surround themselves and start running with the wrong people, and they just run right away from God. God's got something more in store for us than that. Who we run with is linked to living wisely. Here's something everyone's going to agree with here in this room. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 7 says this, A fool's mouth is his ruin. And his lips are a snare to his soul. The words that we use and how that pertains to living wisely or foolishly, we all know this to be true. 
It's true that we can have the best message, meaning truly that it's good, it's right, it's true. We can have the best message, but if said at the wrong time or in the wrong way, can be completely lost. We have to be intentional with our words. We have to be aware of our words. What we say is massively linked to living wisely. Stated negatively, it's foolish to speak whatever we want, whenever we want. And we know this to be true. One of my favorite Proverbs, and and this is actually true. One of the most confusing Proverbs happens to be one of my favorite Proverbs. And in fact, if you're reading the Proverbs, you'll come across these two verses in Proverbs chapter 26, verses 4 and 5, two verses, where it says this, and you'll notice here how confusing this is. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you yourself will be just like him. Very next verse. Answer a fool according to his folly, or he will be wise in his own eyes. You have to understand how this is confusing because we have two things saying the complete opposite in the word of God. On the one hand, you come across this verse, maybe even for the first time. Do not answer a fool according to his folly. I will not engage. Okay, sounds good, God, I got it. Then the very next verse says, answer a fool according to his folly, or he'll be wise in his own eyes. And you're like, okay, I don't understand. It means that it's situational. We have to be wise in our speaking, in our language, when to engage, when to disengage. Let's take social media for an example. It's a great example. You know some people who you follow on social media that will post a status that is designed to be inflammatory, to bait you in. It is a hot dog on a hook in the Allegheny. You know that's going to catch you a catfish. And you can't help yourself. Why? Because you've got the best message. You know what's right. You know what's good. You know what's true. And so what do you do? Send. But that was meant to bait you in. That was meant to be an inflammatory statement. You fell for the trap. And so that person was never wanting to dialogue or be open-minded or to hear like an honest or have an honest conversation. And so they fire back and say, well, I think you're a jagoff. And then, and then you go, what? And then you've got this, this, this terrible shots fired back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Do not answer a, for, answer, answer a fool according to his folly, or you yourself will be just like him. There are some things to consider before we engage with our words. It's situational. We have to consider things like environment. Is it the best to have a conversation on social media? Is it the best to have a conversation right here in front of the whole family? Is it the best time to have this conversation right now? Should I say things right now? Is the environment right We have to consider the environment. We have to consider the source. Is the person on the other end really interested in hearing the truth, in hearing what's right, in hearing what's just? 
Or are they just trying to bait you in, draw you in, and get you caught in foolishness? How's their receptivity? Are they going to receive what it is that God has on your heart to actually give them? Because our ability to be wise or foolish in that situation is completely situational, and it changes instance to instance to instance. I believe this is more relevant than ever. What we say is massively linked to living wisely. Now, I actually wrote this down here. I'm going to read it word for word here in my notes because I think it could be a little discouraging when you're reading text and it's like, man, it's so easy for me to be caught in my waywardness or in my complacency. It's so easy for me to surround myself with the wrong people and to get caught up in where they're running. It's so easy, so, so easy, and I can't seem to help myself and just, I get myself in all kinds of verbal trouble because I can't help, but ah, I just go right into it. I just can't help it. They bait and I bite every time. I actually wrote this down word for word, and it's actually a little funny. It does not need to be inevitable that we will be fools, making stupid decisions, belittling God, and disappointing ourselves in the long run. Ha ha. That's what I wrote on there. There's another option. I believe God wants his followers to be wise and to be beacons of wisdom, meaning to display wise living in an otherwise foolish, oftentimes very foolish, dark, lost, confused world. Our main text for this series, Proverbs chapter 17, verse 24, says this, sensible people keep their eyes glued on wisdom. Are we just living our lives unaware and unintentional? Are we just doing what comes natural to us? Or are we living with our eyes wide open, our, our eyes glued on wisdom, on the ways of God, the directions of God, the desires of God, the direction of God? I love the image displayed here in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 1. I think it is so true to constructing a life of wisdom. The wise woman builds her house. But with her own hands, the foolish one tears hers down. Here's the truth when it comes to building, and I know so many of you know this. Building takes time. Building is oftentimes tough. Building is oftentimes rough. Building is oftentimes just straight up exhausting. Sometimes building, it's discouraging. It takes a lot of effort to build. And yet once that house is constructed, it leads to exponential blessing for your life. That's what happens with building. Now I'm going to be honest with you here. When it comes to tearing things down, it can be fun. Just being honest. It can be fun to build. Tear some stuff down. In fact, if anyone has kids or you have kids, you're surrounded by kids, you build a tower of blocks, and what's the first thing they want to do? It's not even kids also. It's adults, isn't it? Don't you just like pushing that down? If we're being honest, we do. You push it down, and it's down. It's a rumple. It's yes, yay. And then what do they say? Build it up again. Why? Because when it's just the rubble on the ground, it's not so satisfying. It's satisfying for that toppling moment. And we as adults, we'll, we'll go into our lives and we'll pursue things foolishly. 
and will knock the towers down in our lives, maybe in our relationships, but then we run to another tower in our lives. What about our finances? Let's topple that down. What about um, what I consume with my body? Well, topple that down. And then you just find yourself lost. And it's like all my towers are down. I'm in wreckage. I'm in rubble. It's only satisfying to tear down for a moment. And God has something more in store. He wants us to build something significant in our lives. It just takes effort. It takes work. It takes diligence. It takes discipline. It takes a steeliness. It takes resolve. But that's what God wants for his followers. Jesus said it most clearly in how to build wisely in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. He says this, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, meaning the godly ways, godly wisdom, his commandments, his instructions, his direction, his ways, whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, And it fell with a great crash. Simply put, wisdom is a learned strength. Seeing, doing, experiencing, repeating. Seeing the ways of God. Now, y'all, this isn't going to sound very sexy or romantic. This is just like boots on the ground. This is how you get it done. Wisdom is a learned strength. You see the way of God. You do it. You experience him, and I think that's awesome, and then you go and you repeat in every area of life. You see it, you do it, you experience the way of God, you repeat. See, do, experience, repeat. See, do, experience, repeat. Brick by brick, we build ourselves a house of a wisdom life. That's what God has in store for his people. I want to invite the worship team to come back up here this morning. And I want to say this very clearly because Christians get sometimes weird about messages like this. And saying, no, 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 this is just a moralistic sermon of a do's and don'ts. Here's the honest truth. And I can speak the honest truth because the Proverbs speak the honest truth. And I won't want to say anything other than the honest truth. When it comes to our salvation, meaning our saving as people, Jesus extended that hand of relationship as a free gift. We couldn't earn it. There's nothing you could do, nothing I could do. We couldn't look at every proverb, write them down, live it out to a T on our own, and get into the good graces of God. That's just not how it works. We're wayward on our own. In fact, that's what took Jesus from the heavenly places here to this earth because he saw us in our wayward and foolish condition. And he said, no, no, I want to give them a way out. They're running in circles. They're knocking things down in their lives. They're, they're in rubble. They're in dismay. They're lost. They're confused. And so while we were deserving of death because of our waywardness and our sin and our foolishness, Jesus, he He belittled himself and he came to this earth and he lived a perfect life and he died in our place on the cross 
when we were deserving of death. And he reached out his hand to say, I want to be your savior, meaning I want to save you. And I want to be your Lord, the king of your life and help you to live life and life to the full. And so when we reach out to God and say, God, I want you to be my Lord and Savior. I need you to be my Lord and Savior. It's at that moment that God begins to change our hearts. And we look at whole books of the Bible like Proverbs and say, I see a God who loves me. I see a God who wants me to live life and life to the full. And as a response for what you have done on the cross, I want to see where you want me to go. And I want to follow it. And he did us one more than that. He didn't just help us in seeing the clear ways because there's benefit in that, right? There's so many options, the buffet of life. He said, when you come into relationship with me, I'm going to take residence within your life. The same power that rose Christ from the dead will exist within your life that you can live beyond yourself. When you want to, on your own, go rushing into foolishness, things that are going to leave you in rubble and dismay and chaos, I'm going to give you something else. I'm going to give you the same power that rose Christ from the grave so you can run a life of wisdom and experience life and life to the full. And I got to tell you this, church. Our world is caught in so much confusion. Our world is caught in so much darkness Our world is caught in so much chaos, so much foolishness, and they are desperate to see a way of wisdom, a way of godliness, a way that will actually bring them to the life that they so desperately crave. And so as it comes to us as people who call on Jesus as Savior, let us forget foolishness. Let's forget foolishness. Forget the way that would come naturally to me. Forget the ways of this world. I want to go running with others toward the way God would map out for me. Why? Because there's a world that is desperate to see it. It is my personal life that needs to experience it. And so let us forget the foolishness. You know, when we hold the solution to so many of the world's problems... We cannot mess this up. We have to forget the foolishness. Let's run toward God. I'm ready to do it alongside y'all. I'm not perfect. But I want to see that way that God has for me. And I want to go running to it. Don't you want to go running toward it? I really do. And I want to do it alongside you. Let's do it together. Let's go. I want to give you a little bit of homework here this week before we respond here in worship because I think there's a God who is worthy of our praise here this morning. Do you? When we were caught in our own ways, he provided a way out, gave us clear, crystal clear instructions and an empowerment to see it through. I mean, that's a good God, y'all. But I want to give you a little bit of encouragement here this week and some homework. Yeah, you ready? I want to encourage you to read Proverbs chapter 2 sometime this week. Maybe you'll read it every day. Maybe you'll read it 50 times a day just to get it in your spirit of how we should be pursuing wisdom over foolishness. I believe Proverbs chapter 2 is just so inspiring. So I want to encourage you, challenge you, commission you, tell you (laughs) to read Proverbs chapter 2. And I want to encourage you, if, if you have a way to get in touch with me, social media, my phone number, an email, I would love to hear what's sticking out to you in Proverbs chapter 2. 
what's the encouragement there for your life, how you're inspired by it, because I find it super inspiring, and I think it'll be inspiring to you as well. Could we stand? And I want to pray for us and let us respond in worship. I'm thankful that God has given us a way to wisdom. Are you? I am. Let us forget the foolishness. Let's run the race marked out before us. Let's do it together. I believe the world's desperate to see it. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word. You're a good God. That we don't have to stay trapped in our own foolishness. God, I know so many here are frustrated by their own lives. Keep running into the same dead ends, knocking down the same towers. And yet you want to help us to build brick by brick a house of wisdom to lead to exponential blessing, not only for our own lives, but for those around us and even this world. Help us to live wisely as your followers. Help us to live with intentionality and awareness, not just to bob along, get baited into every trap, but to be intentional, aware, surrounding ourselves with the right people, speaking words of wisdom and godliness to all around us that we'd be able to forget the foolishness. Thank you, Lord, for all that you are, all who you are. We want to give you praise and worship. And so would you please receive it as our act of worship and gratitude here this morning. We sing to you in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.